When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Welcome back. How's it going, Jay Slice? Jay Slice, it's it's going good, G-Force. G-Force. <laughs> All right, well, let's just jump right in. Last week, we talked about customer service, and the way we kind of split this up, it's just such a dense topic, and it's one that Justin has so much information on, that we set, we kind of split it up in everything the patient does before they get into the office, and then... Now, this week, we're going to talk about when they're in the office, everything about from the moment they walk into the rest of their experience. And so um, last week, we talked about everything before that. And now we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So, Justin, why don't you just talk about the patient's arrival? I think one thing regarding arrival that I try to do that I think um, quite a few docs overlook is normally when I come up, when I come to the office every day, I come in the back door. You know, our parking's back there, so I sneak in the back door, sneak to my office. But regardless of where you come in, I always suggest, and I do the same thing, is about once a month to come in the front door and see exactly what patients see. You know, like, even if you come in the front door, usually you're probably, you know, just head down, head into the office, getting in there, get rolling. But come in, take it all in, and, you know, see what they see. Smell what they smell. How do things look? Is it inviting? Is it clean? Is it cluttered? Does it say we do high quality work or we don't really give a darn? Does it smell just like a dental office? Um, are their magazines all disheveled on your on your tables? Is do they see a staff of a team of, you know, five different people with non-matching scrub outfits that are wrinkled because I just want to know what are they subconsciously picking up as they walk in the door? Because they're picking up something and i want to make sure we're putting our best foot forward and uh, you mentioned having some amenities or like offerings for your patients um you know on that same point of them picking up something what kind of amenities do you have to really stand out when they walk in we have a hot tub we have uh, a dolphin experience that they can do while they're waiting can they pet the dolphin or is it just uh just that's extra that's extra that's actually how we do the numbers we do no so amenities obviously we don't go over the top we have what i think probably a lot of offices do we have the coffee we have some water but we also have perrier and little bottles of wine and i know to most you know it doesn't sound like a big deal and it's not a big deal super easy to do but you don't see many offices doing that. And it gets people talking, which makes a statement, and that's what we're going for. You know, I'd probably say almost 80% of our new patients make some kind of comment on the wine, even if they don't drink wine, even if they don't care for it. Everyone's saying, you know, I can't believe you have wine out there. Oh, I saw you have wine out there. Um, But it just gives a little buzz. It sets us apart from every other dental office they've ever been to. So I just try to think a little bit outside the box there. Um, and how could we be different without, you know, necessarily reinventing our whole wheel? Something I don't do, but I know a lot of off- dental offices do, is have a TV with a loop of testimonials or, or services that that office off- offers. You know, my thing is just what makes you different? Um, try to do something to set yourself apart a little bit. 
if nothing else, you got to make sure it smells good, it looks good, it's clean, it's orderly. Yeah. I like that. I like, you know, with the amenities, it's interesting because maybe they don't use some of those things, but just having them, I think, makes a big impact on that patient because you just have a lot of amenities, and I think that means something to people, whether or not they would actually use them, I think is a different question. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a lot of people, it's not like people, dentists, I think we always go to like, oh my gosh, you can't do that because of X, Y, Z, as opposed to just, you know, doing it or figuring it out. Everyone wants to play devil's advocate <clears throat> and I'm anti-devil's advocate. So people always ask like, how can you get informed consent if you have wines? Like, dude, we're not giving them like tequila shots and they may, you know, have them sign on the dotted line before we do a bunch of extractions. Like, it's just not how it works. A lot of times people, you know, after a cleaning or, you know, it's a big appointment, they'll grab a bottle on their way out and say, oh, you know, I'll have this later tonight when I get back home. So my stepmom actually calls her cleaning. She always schedules her cleaning appointments like at five o'clock and she calls them happy hour. So she, <laughs> she may be the outlier in that, but most people aren't coming up just for the drinks. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So we've talked about um, what they see when they walk in. So the patient, they walk in, what happens? I think the main thing first right off the bat is that we greet all patient by names. You know, we've looked ahead at the schedule. We know who's supposed to be coming in and we'll say, George, we're glad you're here. It's good to see you or it's been a while or blah, blah, blah. That's the first thing we do is greet them by name. And going back to that devil's advocate theme, whenever I tell people that, you know, I'd say half the time, the first question I get is, but what if you don't know who they are? What if you don't know their name? Like new patients. So I want everyone to pay really close attention to this because it's it's pretty crazy. Um, if we don't know exactly who they are, we look at the schedule, we see the new patient who's supposed to be coming in around that time, and then we just go for it. It's, uh, I know, I know. You're, we've probably got a lot of drop jaws out there right now, but if we have to, we just guess. We look at the schedule and say, oh, we have a new patient we haven't met coming in right now as this person's walking to the door. We don't know this person. Let's just guess that their name's blah, blah, blah. So we greet the patients by name. Um, and, you know, who doesn't like to go places where people are excited to see you? You know, it's kind of like cheers when Norm walks in, everybody yells Norm. Uh, so we try to kind of give that similar atmosphere. And, again, it's all for the patient. It doesn't matter if, if we're not really excited or not to see them. You know, we can be dull and unexcited after hours absolutely and do you guys have a system um for like you know pictures of your patients or something like that that the existing ones that helps that or do you guys just know what time they're coming in um i mean we just look at the schedule i mean we try to we try to know no i think that would be brilliant we should do that we just haven't done that um but we still do it i mean i think a picture every time someone comes in we have the camera at the front desk we just haven't instituted it it's never been an issue but i think it'd be a great idea cool and so the patient, they come in, they're greeted by name, um, and then I'm assuming they have a seat and somebody just calls calls them. You know, is that kind of how it works? Yeah. You know, they'll have a seat. We try to keep them not waiting long. Obviously, I think most everyone tries to do that. But, you know, someone comes out to, to get them. I think number one thing that we try to work on is we don't walk in silence. We don't just say, hey, Mr. Jones, follow me, and then just, you know, Mr. Jones walks behind the hygienist or whoever back to the operatory. You know, we start talking to them right away, or my team does. I'm usually not the one that grabs patients. I will sometimes, you know, but ask them, hey, how's your day going? What's new? I think we'll, we might get into this a little bit later. I don't remember. But usually we try to always have notes 
on the patient, personal info that we've collected either from the phone call or previous appointments. So we try to ask them based on the notes that we have, like, hey, I know you were going on vacation last time I saw you. How was that? Something, something personal. So um, we start conversation with them. We get back to the operatory. We offer to hang up purses, coats. We let them keep their phones because everyone wants their phone. God forbid. We offer them a heated neck wrap. And again, we're doing our best to treat them as friends, not just as patients. And as I said, hopefully by this point, we've gotten some information that we can start a conversation. You know, once we've chatted for everybody's different, might be 30 seconds, might be three or four minutes. Um, then we'll, we'll start doing the dentistry stuff. You know, if we, if there ends up being breaks, especially in my rooms, you know, if I'm doing a Sarah crown and we sit them up and they've got a 15 minute break, you know, we'll ask them if we can reheat their neck wrap. Can we get them something to drink? Um, anything we can do to make them more comfortable, just let us know. Just little things that anybody can do that doesn't cost money. Um, but you're constantly making the experience for the patients. So, yeah. Is that something that you do almost like a, you know, is that a culture building? Is that something you have to like sit down with your staff and tell them to do? Or is that just something they lead by example and you do that and then they kind of pick it up and you expect them to do it and you talk to them about it? It would be nice if it was, you know, there are a lot of things in our office that we, we as the dentist could do and then just assume everyone else is going to pick it up. But in reality, that doesn't happen much. Um, I still try to lead by example, but it's definitely a culture thing that we've intentionally created. I've had training sessions with my team, you know, a lot more in the beginning. Um, we don't have to do it as much anymore. I tell them exactly kind of what we're going through right here. When I, we have a break, this is what I want said to patients. We want them to make feel comfortable. We refer to them by name when they walk in the door. If we don't know who it is, we guess, we look at the schedule. We ask to reheat their net wraps. We talk to them. We look at our notes. We say, Hey, um, Mr. Jones is, we have this notes on them. When we go out to get them in the waiting room, we're going to start talking about conversation X. And so now, I mean, it's just part of our culture and it just happens, but no, it, none of it really happened intentionally. I'm sure they would have picked up on five, 10, 15, 20 years of working together. They would have picked up some of it for me doing it, but I don't want to mess around with it for 5, 10, 15 years. I want a successful practice now and I don't want to micromanage every day. So, great question. I'm with you. I'm just trying to think through my head, you know, how would I go about implementing this? And I'm with you. I, I wouldn't think that would happen overnight. But then again, you know, we're talking about front-loading the process and getting all of this done ahead of time so that you can enjoy a great practice with, you know, wild success. Right. And I think for you, exactly um, how you're going to do it, you know, is with us working together, when you're taking over your practice, we're going to discuss it. You're going to go through the course. You're going to make your notes and you are going to put training in place for your team right away. Maybe not day one, because you'll have to, you have to jump in there. There'll be a, a few things you got to get acclimated to, but pretty darn soon after you're in there, you're going to start instituting these changes intentionally. And it's not something you're going to have to mess with for your whole career. You're going to front load the process and you're going to build a practice that doesn't stress you out and makes you a lot of money. That's the goal. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get goal. back. Um, we were talking about the hygienist. And right. um, so when the hygienist is done, they come get you for your exam. What happens then? Um, when they come and get me, I want to find out all I can in about one minute um, about the patient. You know, I'm usually going through x-rays while my hygienist is filling me in with her thumbnail sketch 
And the things I want to know, let's kind of just run through them real quick. Number one thing I want to know is, is the patient having any trouble? And what's the most important thing to them? Because I want to go in there and make sure they know that's the most important thing to me, even if it's not. You know, if they've got one chipped tooth where they see a black spot, but they've got two millimeter pockets all the way around, like obviously that chip is not my, or that little black spot's not my biggest concern, but I'm going to act like it is to the patient while I figure out how to work in what's really the most important. Next thing I want to know is how long it's been since they've been in to see a dentist and, you know, been through the whole rigmarole, gotten a cleaning and x-rays. Because I handle it differently if they were in six months ago somewhere and, you know, they were told they were all good, but I can see they have work needed, in which case I know it's going to be surprising for them to hear, opposed to someone who it's been five years and they already know they have a bunch of crap going on. Let's kind of dive into this one because um, this is a topic I asked Derek about in his interview, and it's something that I kind of constantly thinking about how to handle with an acquisition where, you know, you have a patient who came in six months ago with the previous doc or maybe with me and, um, you know, they had work that was needed um, and they may be surprised, like you just said. So how would you handle it differently given how long they've been in? For example, it's always awkward when a patient was just into another dentist, you know, let's say six months ago, they've been going to them for 20 years um, and they got an all clear. But you can look in the mouth and you see a bunch of crap going on. Um, but it's real life. That actually happens. All of you younger dentists out there listening, like it's going to happen at some point in your career. Um, so what do you do? Since you're the new doc, do you just not tell them what's going on because you don't want to freak them out and lose a new patient? Um, in that case, I'll ask if their previous office mentioned anything going on. So if they said, hey, I was just in six months ago. They told me I look all good. I lean them back. I see stuff. And as I'm going through, I will just casually ask, let me back step because that wouldn't make sense if I asked them again. If I know going into the exam that they were in six months ago and got an all clear, let's say my hygienist told me, and I lean the back and I see a bunch of stuff, um, I will ask them, you know, did the other office mention anything going on? Just because I want to I want to get a feeling of, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, yeah, but I just didn't get it done, or they mentioned we were watching some stuff, or no, all clear. So sometimes yes, and they just say they didn't get anything done, or so just sometimes no. But either way, I will go through and treatment plan as normal. I still have to tell them the same things, regardless if they're going to be freaked out or not. Um, that's what they're paying me for. But for someone who didn't know, what I'll do is I'll sit them up and I'll tell them, Mrs. Jones, you know, I want to be completely honest with you. This is sometimes a tough situation because I'm the new guy and having to tell you, I see some things going on when you're thinking, when I know you came in thinking, everything was doing really good in there. But at the end of the day, you're paying me to be honest with you. And really, I'd rather you be upset with me for telling for telling you exactly what I see than upset with me for not telling you. And then you end up having bigger issues than you need to down the road. And, you know, just like kind of like what I did there, I try to lower my tone. I speak humbly. Um, I try to be genuine and I try to show them I care. And then I understand that it can be surprising, that I know what they're going through. Um, you know, I don't go in guns blazing and say, well, your last dentist was a jackass and you have a bunch of stuff going on. 
obviously, if they haven't been in for five years and they expect um, they have some things going on, that's a different situation. Um, but either way, I tell them both the same things, but I change my delivery to fit them. Does that make sense? It does. I just got a follow-up question on that. When they, you know, when I've said stuff like that and, you know, I hear about it, it's like, well, why didn't I hear about this before? You know, they start to question, you know, why it's why you're the one breaking the news to them. Um, right. How do you handle that situation without throwing the previous dentist under the bus? I totally throw them under the bus. And it's like, hey, they were jackass. So, <laughs> um, it's it's a touchy situation. I mean, I don't think, you know, I think I've, I've made this comment before. Like, I'm a real-life guy, and sometimes it's a, um, it's a situational call. It's a game-time decision. But, I mean, I never throw someone under the bus. I just... I try to be honest. Bottom line, I always, you know, I think in my head, like, what would be the best delivery? And then, like, it just clicks. Like, just be honest. You know, they're a person, too, just like you. What would you want to hear if you were in their shoes? And I just tell them, like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why this stuff wasn't caught. Let's look at this x-ray together. Can you see that? I can see it, too. I don't know why someone didn't see it six months ago. Maybe it wasn't there. I don't know. But I always try to bring pictures in. You know, so they can see it too. And they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. But I'll never throw anybody under, under the bus. I don't care. I would rather lose a patient, blah, 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 than somebody under the bus or try to make someone else look bad. That's not my deal. Um, I never try to do that. I don't care what the cost is. Um, I know not everyone feels that way. And I know that there's a lot of dentists that one thing that drives me nuts, and this might be kind of a tangent, you know, is like if someone comes to me and they say, Dr. So-and-so down the street said I have five cavities and I don't have, I don't think I have any cavities. You take a look. And I know in my mind they're thinking they want to hear they don't have those many cavities or they don't have any cavities. But, and I think there's a lot of dentists knowing that may go in thinking, well, three of these can wait six months or a year. So I'll just tell the patient they got two. Like, that's not my bag. I don't do that. I think that's a sissy's way out. Um, I'm always going to be honest with the patient. And since I, I got off on that tangent, I totally forgot your original question. Oh, throwing the dentist under the bus. So, no, I just try to be honest. I let them know. I don't know. Sometimes if they're a younger, somebody younger, and I can tell they've, you know, we're just really clicking. Um, if I know, like, they may come to me saying my dentist has retired. I'll let them know. Like, hey, I've seen this quite a bit where a dentist is just slowing down. Um, they're not being as aggressive or something on treatment planning or maybe there's just philosophy has changed towards the end of their career i don't know but this is what's going on now i'm sorry there you go yeah i like that i think i think a lot of us um you know talk about a lot of this we talk about taking the easy way out not doing these uncomfortable things that will make you right. successful um i think this is kind of one of them yep. and i'm happy that we talked about it because it is a big issue for a lot of our listeners and it will be for their whole career and so yep. let's go ahead and continue on. Sorry about that tangent, guys. Um, I thought that was worth it. <laughs> yeah, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on before. So we're kind of going through what I talked to my hygienist about. So I want to know what's most important to patients. I want to know how long it's been. Next, I want to know what did my hygienist find out and discuss with them. You know, I want to know, okay, you saw this and this and this. Did you talk to him about it? Yes. Did you look at pictures? Yes. Um, 
you know, and I also want to know, they may say, we also discussed clear correct, or we also discussed the need for a night guard. I want to know all those things. Um, just so I'm fully aware going into the situation, I go in eyes wide open. Um, and finally, I, I want to know any personal info they got that will help me go in and build rapport. I want to go in and join the party, however it's going, you know? Um, so if they find out they're just getting married or they just moved to town, they're training for a marathon, I can go in, start talking to them and build off those things. Cause that's the main thing I want to do. I want to go in and build rapport. If I could only do one thing in that new patient exam, that's what I want to do. But just a couple things to touch on um, based off those, what we just went over. You have to put the time in with your team, um, pull up some pictures, have them say to you what they would say to a patient who presented with that condition on that picture. Like when I was first starting off with this team, you know, it's been a while, long time. But I would just pull up random pictures uh, of teeth and say, okay, patient presents with this, what do you say? And it was a little bit awkward at first. But they got really good, very quick, being able to talk to patients about the most common things that they present with. And honestly, very few dentists are putting in the time to have these conversations. No one loves to do it. I wasn't like, oh, this is the best way to spend 30 minutes. But it's paid off over and over and over and over. Um, I want them to be just as good as me at presenting treatment. And I want to help them improve. And you know, I'm telling you, Putting an extra time doing little things like this that anybody can do, doesn't cost money, will help ensure you can take off extra time in your future and make a higher profit and have a more successful practice. Next, there aren't many pieces of equipment I say you need, but I think you need intraoral cameras in your office. Having a picture to show the patients what's going on as you explain will increase your case acceptance guarantee. You know, I never tell someone they have to to be really successful, you have to place implants, you have to do ortho, or you have to do whatever else dentists do. But intraoral cameras are the ones, you know, for me, I live and die by them. Almost every day, something pops up while I'm already working on a patient, and we see something that needs to be addressed. Um, I pull out my camera, which is sitting right there, I take a picture, I show the patient, and I let them know we can take care of it right then and there while they're already numb. I don't pressure them. It's not my favorite thing to do. I would much rather know what this was going on before we got in there so I could have told them. But life's not perfect, you know. So I don't pressure. I just let them know, hey, if you want to knock this out, well, you're already numb, you're already leaned back, you're here, I can knock it out for you. And when I do this, when I take a picture and I show them right there, my case acceptance jumps, I would say, over 90%. You know, in knocking out just a two or three surface filling while we're doing a crown, you know, let's say we do number 19, we open it up. I see a mesial caries on 18. I didn't know was there. It takes me five or 10 minutes more. They're already numb. Um, I don't have to turn a room over. And it may increase our production by 200 bucks an hour. But more often than not, I see docs are scared to tell a patient why they're doing something or they get lazy. There's like, uh, I don't feel like doing that today. And they just save it to tell them at their next hygiene exam. And that's not how you consistently grow production in less amount of time and become more efficient. And these are the easy things that's going to bump your production if you do them. No, that was definitely great. Your hygienist, you know, I, I see now how, you know, getting the, st getting the staff involved and all of those things can really help you out. So your hygienist fills you in, and I assume 
next you go and you meet the patient? Is that kind of where we're at? Yeah. You know, and to me, that's, this is where the battle's won. And it's all about helping the patient to know, like, and trust you in your office. When people ask, what's the hardest part of my job? It's not the root canals and extractions. For me, it's staying engaged with every patient interaction every day, putting my wants and needs aside and being on stage all day with each patient and making them feel like they're the only things, thing, person, patient that matters to me while I'm with them. There are a lot of days I don't feel like it or maybe I'm not having the best day. Maybe I think the patient's ignorant. I don't know. But when I'm at my office, it's not about me and the rewards that can come from that mindset and putting that into action can be astronomical. You know, one thing I don't do is I don't debate or argue with patients anymore. I let them be right. If a patient tells me they have 10 cavities because their parents had dentures in their thirties or they just have soft teeth, I don't debate them. I used to, I'd be like, no, that's stupid. That's wrong. But I never won. I love the, you know, another one I've, I've heard, you know, a couple times in the last years, how oil pulling from coconut oils really helping their teeth. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't necessarily believe in that, but I'm not going to sit there and debate them. Like, Hey, if you think it's helping, maybe it is good for you. Um, I love the patients right where they're at. And I try to help them along from there. Um, I may say, man, that stinks. You have soft teeth, but well, let's see what we can help to, we can do to help get them stronger or fix the issues that your genetically mushy teeth have cost you. But if people feel judged, they're not going to trust you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to follow your treatment suggestions. You could literally have a plaque on your wall saying you were unanimous, unanimously voted the world's best dentist. And if your patients don't feel like they can trust you and that you don't care for them, it's not going to make a big a difference. So back to the point where I walk in the room, I shake their hand. I look them in the eye. I say, hi, I'm Justin Short. I'll ask how my hygienist treated them. You know, I often use that kind of as my icebreaker. You know, oh, they did great. And then I'll kind of joke with, depending on how their mood is, I'll kind of joke with them and say, you know, man, you had a good experience. Are we talking about the same hygienist here? You know, I'll just tease with them a little bit to get a laugh, lighten the mood. Then I talk to them. You know, I'll, I'll sit down with them sitting up. And I usually have intel by this time. I walk in and I'll start a conversation to get to know them. Um, I want to get them talking about themselves. If you want to seem interesting, be interested. I ask them what they like to do when they're not stuck in a dental office. I was, I want to get to know them. This may take 30 seconds or three minutes, but somehow I want to build a personal connection and it doesn't have to take a long time. So many dentists, uh, I talked to you list some of their obstacles as being, I talk too much or I talk too long. I go on and on like, you know what? Just knock it off. Like to me, it's a bigger skill to be able to build the same amount of rapport, tell somebody about the treatment they need in a less amount of time than just having diarrhea of the mouth for 20 minutes and decreasing your efficiency in the office. Um, it's not an excuse. Just I talk more like and stop talking more, but all the while I'm building rapport with my patient. Um, and my hygienist is silently taking notes in the background on the facts that I get so we can refer back to them in the future. It's a vicious cycle. 
You know, so my hygienist might have told me about something personal about them. I go in, we start talking about it. I get more details. My hygienist is, you know, you don't hear her typing away furiously like this is some, you know, we, it isn't rehearsed play that we're putting on, but I don't want the patient to know that. But we're calculated, but we're calculated for the benefits of our patients. Um, then only after I've established some type of personal connection, I will start talking about teeth stuff. And, you know, through this whole process, when I go in, I'm also trying to mirror match them. I'm happy you said that. I uh, When we go through the course, you talked about mirror and match, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Can you elaborate on what you mean by mirror and matching? Sure. Again, my hygienist has kind of filled me in about the patient, so I know something going in. But the way my office is set up, like, I can hear my hygiene rooms. You know, it's, I can't hear, like, every word they're saying. But if they're joking around a lot in there, I can tell. Or just subconsciously, if there's not a lot of talking going on, I can just I pick that up. Because I'm always listening and evaluating the office. So I want to just go in and join that mood, whatever the patient is putting out. You know, are they nervous? Are they leaning forward? Are they leaning back or they crossing their arms i want to subtly do these same things and this tells the patients i am like you so you can like me and you know it's a time tested principles of building rapport if a patient's nervous i will look them in the eye and say something to the effect of g-force i hear that the dental office may not be your favorite place <laughs> and i want you to know we sincerely understand and i mean this if at any point during any visit we can do anything to help you feel more comfortable i would like you to let us know okay we're all here for your comfort and safety alone and we all have things in our lives that are not our favorites so but i want you to know everybody in this office is here for you that may be an example of something i say to a patient that's nervous i don't want to hide it i don't want to avoid it you know i want them know hey i get it I have crap in my life, too, that I don't like. Um, and if there's anything I can do for you, I want you to let me know. Um, your patients have chosen you over everyone else, and they deserve to have an office that's going to get on their level and make it easier on them to know, like, and trust you, which will help them accept your treatment suggestions, which will ultimately help them get healthier. We just do our best to make it easy on them, as easy on them as we can. And in turn, this makes us more successful. For me, it's caring equals trust, which equals relationship, and people buy off relationship. Now, I want the listeners to know this is a very abbreviated synopsis, uh, you know, kind of what we go through in the course, but, you know, kind of gives you an idea. But I don't want you to be like, man, there's... I don't want people to be thinking, well, it seems like there's a lot of holes in there. Um, I go into much more detail on how I do this in the course and with coaching clients. So, But we're just hitting the high points here. I think that's a good point. In the course, um, you know, we're talking about the course, you talk about 100% case acceptance. Right. Um, and that seems impossible. What do you mean by that? I think a case acceptance as any time a tra treatment is accepted or a patient chooses us to get their treatment done. I agree with you that 100% direct conversion, as in you tell a patient this is what you need, they go up to the front, and they come back next week to get it done. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, 
but I'm always focusing on the long term. My, I know my patient may not accept today, but I always want them treated so well personally that when they're ready to get treatment done, whether it's next week, next month, five years from now, 10 years from now, that they wouldn't think about calling anyone else but our office. And I call it my farm league. I think I got that from uh, Bruce Baird of uh, PDA. But, you know, I have several years of patients who have been treated very well by our office. You know, maybe they they don't come in when they're supposed to. Maybe they're not regular. Maybe they do. But either way, I never judge. I never lecture. And I always addressed the biggest concern for them. For example, you know, a patient may come in and it looks like they just had meth for breakfast. But their only concern is the chip on number seven. You know, I will still casually inform them, let them know, hey, just want you to know there's a, a few other things going on in there. I'd love to get you come back so we can just take a look at everything. But I'm going to fix number seven like a champ. I'm going to make it look good. I'm going to make them happy. Um, I'm not going to get on their case. I'm not going to refuse to treat them until they've had several rounds of scaling and root planing. Um, I want them to know my, their chief complaint is my biggest concern. And we may make suggestions, like I said, and let them know what's going on and let them know when they leave, hey, if there's anything you need in the future we can help with, we'll be here for you. And we let it go. So I want everybody who's coming to my office, whenever they decide to get treatment, I want them to think of me first and think of us only. I like that because, you know, you're you're almost building that bank, you know, of right. treatment to be done and handling someone that, you know, is a very transient patient to come back. And, you know, also, I think patients feel this sense of um, like guilt when they don't go right. back to the dentist for a long time and sure. that may prevent them from coming back. So saying something like that, I think, can go a long way with people. Yep. I always let them know, hey, you know, whenever the time's right for you, we'll be here, man. I don't care. If it's next week or 10 years from now, if you need something, let me know. We'll take care of it. I want to move on. Um, we talk about eliminating stress a lot in your whole philosophy and your concept and your course. Um, in relation to this in your patient management, how do you do that? You know, how do you eliminate stress from your office so that when you leave, you're not there? Right. <clears throat> and I think that's big for me. When I have cl new clients call me and they will call me stressed out and just, you know, how on the weekends and they got to go in the office and they got to do this and they got to do that. And they're always on call. And to me, I just always felt like that's a horrible way of practicing dentistry. Like that just sounds horrible. So whenever there are things that I know stress me out, I try to combat them before we get there because I want low stress in my office. If I'm stressed out, I'm not having fun. So let's, we'll just go through a few of them. Um, number one was being on call. Like I did it earlier in my career um, and every time the dang phone rings on the weekend, even though like I randomly got a call, like it still stressed me out. Like, oh God, I don't want to look at it. Is it a patient? So I break a tooth. And like, even like if, if I just had a call, call them in a prescription on the weekend, like I still don't even want to do that. Maybe I'm just really lazy. I don't know. But like, I didn't want to stop laying by the pool or playing golf or hanging with my family and say, hold on, I got to walk over here. I got to look at the number of Walgreens. Um, I got to call a patient back, get their date of birth, see if they're allergic, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just don't want to do it. So I don't do it anymore. I have someone in my office do it. They, I've trained my team 
how to handle 99% of the calls we get, which still aren't a ton. You know, I don't think as Dennis, we don't get a ton of calls, but I just don't want any calls. Um, and if they need me, which is rare, I'd probably say once or twice a year, um, they can call me or they can text me. You know, I'm a big believer, like, if you need to talk to me, text me. And bottom line is, I've never lost a patient because I wasn't on call. I know we think like, hey, if we're not the ones that answer the phone, patients aren't going to think we care. It doesn't happen. So I figured it out. Don't do it. Let's move on. Next, I think um, another one that comes to mind is shade matching. You know, our my practice is bread and butter, but we do, you know, some cosmetic cases like I think all dentists do. And I tell the patient, you know, if we have a tough match, I tell them it's tough, especially with the front ones. Like, you know, we're matching an eight to nine or something. I will, before, when I used to do this and I didn't say anything to a patient, I would be stressed out. Like, oh man, I hope this matches. I hope this matches. Patient's going to be so ticked if it doesn't. So now I just let them know ahead of time. Like, hey, we're going to get this, but it may take us a couple of tries to get it perfect. And we want it to be absolutely perfect for you. And we're going to get it perfect. But, and most of the time, we nail it the first time, but don't freak out. If not, we'll just send it back and have them tweak a little bit. So, you know, when we're doing the shade matches, when we're cementing them, most of the time we get it right the first time. We really do. And then we look like a hero because we built, you know, we've told the patient like, hey, this is really tough. But that one out of 10 or 20 or 30 cases, whatever it is, that it comes back from the lab and it doesn't match, the patient's much more forgiving and understanding if we need to send it back. I just don't want that stress on my shoulders thinking they'll be really upset if we don't get a perfect match. And the first time I told them that, like most every other normal dentist, I thought, crap, if I tell them we may not nail it the first time, we're probably going to get up and go somewhere else. And again, that's never happened. Not once. Something else, uh, length of treatment. I think this more applies to implants and dentures. You know, I tell them up front, both are a process, and with healing and lab times, we might be looking at two to 12 months, depending on what all is needed. Now, we usually get it way do- done way before then, and then we, le- we look better, but either way, it takes the stress off me. If something takes longer than expected, I don't want the stress, and like I said, we look better if it gets done earlier. Now, again, same thing with the shade match. I know as a dentist, beginning i was thinking crap if i told them this implant may take eight to twelve months they might just go somewhere else that'll tell them five or six months um but it's never happened so don't stress don't worry about things you don't have to i think last one which is a big one is sensitivity after a crown or fillings you know if if i ever think we're going to be remotely close to the pulp you know which is a lot of times with crowns we're relatively close in one area or another i'll tell the patient that's the case and it's normal to have some sensitivity after a crown it may take a little time for everything to settle down and heal up i'll do the same things with fillings hey this white filling um you might have little sensitivity afterwards you may not but don't be surprised if it takes a little while just to get back to normal you know if i tell them things up front and they have a little sensitivity they don't think anything about it if i don't mention it then they freak out and they start to call the office and want it checked and they start to annoy everybody. But if you tell them, you know, and it just helps them, you know, they don't want to be freaked out either. So if you just tell them up front, hey, this is normal, they don't think much of it. 
and you know, God forbid they get irreversible pulpitis and they need a root canal. I can say, remember we talked about this one and how it's close to the nerve. And it sounds like we may have to go in and get that irritated nerve out. But through all those things that I say, the more likely scenario that I see the most is the next time I see the patients, they remind me, hey, doc, remember you said this one might be sensitive for a while? It didn't bug me a bit. But either way, I'm not stressing because we've already discussed it. And again, it's a little bit nerve wracking to say that to patients. I get it in the beginning. Now I don't think about it, but I've never had someone say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to do this anymore because you told me that. And it's relieved a lot of stress in my life. So those are the biggest ones that come to mind. I appreciate that. I think so much of this course and, you know, this mini series that we're doing is about eliminating issues before they happen, front loading the process and kind of preemptively, um, attacking things before they become an issue. And I think this is kind of a big, those are big key points right there. But I hope, I hope our listeners get it from the whole, the whole course and the whole mini series is, you know, that kind of general theme that I think just kind of keeps going. So I, I appreciate your time, Justin. And, sure. um, you know, you're, you've been to, to date and you will continue to be hopefully, you know, very honest and, um, you know, you're not holding anything back. And I really do appreciate that. And I think our listeners do too. And uh, we'll keep it going. All right. Thanks, George. Never break a sweat. Cause I live my life like it's all